Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. This is Ronald Jones, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Hey there, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back for the week six edition of the RosterWatch.com Tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert, and I thank you for joining me each and every week of the season as we break down the fantasy football trade market. And guys, it's a fantastic trade market for week six, so let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, By now, you guys understand what we're doing at this juncture of the season. If we're a winning team, if we have a stacked bench, we're consolidating right now. And uh, we're doing that in order to improve our roster from the top to the bottom, our starting lineup, our bench, everywhere we can improve, we're looking to improve. And by uh, engaging these consolidation trades, uh, we will be liberating roster spots that we can use for more really important waiver claims. And as we do this, we'll continue to recycle this process time and time again throughout the early and middle portion of the season. And by doing this, uh, we will slowly uh, but surely continue building more competitive rosters. Uh, Of course, if you are a struggling team or a losing team and you've identified that the reason you're struggling currently is because you are not fielding the most competitive starting lineup every week, maybe because you have a couple of holes that you're having trouble filling every week. I mean, that's, that's a common problem right now. There's been a lot of injuries Uh, There's been a lot of stuff up in the air with COVID, and uh, there was a lot of unknowns even before the season. So you may be still in recovery mode, trying to get on the right side of the ledger at this point, and there's nothing wrong with that. If you need to liquidate one of your best players in order to fill uh, some holes in in your starting lineup with good players who have good matchups this week that can help you win now, um, that's certainly... Uh, a technique that you should be utilizing right now until you get on the right side of things and then you can get into consolidation mode, which is eventually where we all want to be. We're also doing one-for-one roster balancing trades. We talked about this a little bit last week. Um, These are one-for-one interpositional trades. So this is a situation where maybe you're really deep at wide receiver, but you're short at running back. Take one of your wide receivers, go trade for a running back of equal value or hopefully one a buy low running back maybe one we'll discuss today that you think you're getting a good deal on 
And that's a good way to balance your roster. And that can be important also uh, in terms of just fielding your most competitive starting lineup every week, which is ultimately the number one mandate of the season is attempting to win now. Of course, through this process, through the nexus uh, with the waiver wire process, we will be accumulating uh, a cartoonish amount of talent on our benches, on our starting lineups between now and the end of the season. And then we will, uh, at the strategic time, leverage all of that for the most nuclear playoff roster uh, that any of you guys have ever seen. Uh, Just so stick with us here every week of the season and uh, we'll walk you through that uh, until we are just uh, armed up for a big nuclear arms race in our fantasy football playoffs. Um, I'll tell you... Another variation of these trades that maybe we'll go ahead and introduce today, we usually talk about doing consolidation trades, a two-for-one trade. That's where we take two of our players and we trade them off for one better player in return, meanwhile liberating a roster spot that we can use for waivers. When we talk about liquidating as a struggling team in order to become more competitive, that's typically when we're talking about taking one of our best players and liquidating them for two good players with good matchups in return that can help us win right now, preferably guys that we're buying low on. And so what I'd like to introduce is a um, maybe a um, more robust version of that. It's a little bit more complicated sometimes, but you'll see these come up and you'll find that these are oftentimes more appropriate or, or can be appropriate depending on, you know, the situation with, um, your roster and the other party's roster and what your aims and goals are. So a slightly expanded version of the consolidation or liquidation trade uh, that's typically a two for one or a one for two is the two for three or the three for two. So typically a consolidation trade is two for one. Guys, we can also expand that out where we do a three for two. That's also a consolidation and sometimes we need to do that just to sweeten the pot, uh, just right on a deal or, you know, to really make it fair. Maybe the, the, the principles, the three principles in the deal aren't, you know, completely equivalent in value. So we got to tack a couple other guys on to make that work. The other time that this comes up is every once in a while, especially on the losing teams, sometimes they'll have a couple of guys that you want to buy low on. Oftentimes the losing teams, and again, a reminder that that's where you need to start this process every single week of the season is um, by looking at the losing teams in your league and seeing who you can take advantage of them for. You want to get their good players, right? That's, that's, that's the, the best way to do this. And guys, you can also save yourself some time because this can be an arduous process. And I know the season's a long, busy one. Uh, you know, before you go crazy scouring your league for different trades to make, you know, listen to this podcast, have a look at your team. See, do you even have anybody you can really sell or sell high on or anybody marketable at this point? Um, that can save you a little bit of time because if you don't, then maybe you can just move on and wait until next week. But, um, once you've identified, if you have the players that should be in play on the trade market this week, uh, then I think you have, you know, the license to move forward. And I think you should be working really hard trying to make these deals in your leagues. We're seeing stuff Come in every week at rosterwatch.com. Success success stories about listeners to this very program that have pulled off major trades that have helped them get critical wins uh, 
you know, in must-win situations or have already started to put their teams in just, um, you know, a really strong position uh, as we continue to move through the season, uh, making their teams, you know, going to be hard, hard to beat. Uh, so, guys, this is the waiver wire is one of the most utilized aspects uh, during the season to improve our teams, but the trade market is one of the most underutilized methods for doing so, and that's why we meet here uh, every single week of the season. So just keep in mind that if you need an expanded version of the consolidation trade, if a two-for-one isn't the exact configuration that'll work for you this week, try a three-for-two. You know, Be opportunistic if there's two guys that you want to have a look at on another team or, you know, like I said, maybe you need to just balance the trade out a little bit more. Sometimes tacking on a couple extra players to the three principles in the deal will help you achieve that. You can also kind of balance your roster that way. It can be a hybrid of a consolidation and a roster balancing trade. You can sometimes achieve both of those with one fell swoop. And then, of course, um, the liquidation trade, the expanded version of that. Again, the liquidation trade is where you take one of your good players and break them out for two uh, two good players in return that have good matchups. Um, you could do a two for three. So sometimes when you liquidate, you might take two of your good players or overperforming players or really good players, and you might liquidate them for three guys that you think are buy low prospects with good matchups on the horizon in return. And that can be a good way to kind of replenish your starting lineup and make you more competitive. Um, in just one transaction. Um, also, guys, we talked about targeting losing teams, and we always talk about being opportunistic. Opportunistic is when um, you know is when you have a keen eye for a keen eye for opportunities that you can leverage out there that maybe others aren't taking a look for. It's also being opportunistic is also when you're not spending a lot of energy and you're letting things kind of come to you. I mean, that's the way that's, you know, you're not having to over manufacture a trade idea. You know, you're seeing what's available and you're kind of letting it come to you. That's what being opportunistic uh, is. And this week, a great example of that would be seek out the Dak Prescott owner in your league. See what the situation with his team and his roster is. There may or may not be anything there that you can do, but um, I mean, that's clearly a team uh, that could be in some peril right now. And I know some of you guys roster two good quarterbacks. We see it all the time over on the site, rosterwatch.com. What do you do with those guys? Oftentimes, I'll just trade the quarterback that I can get the most for, if that's the case. If I have two good quarterbacks that I like them both, I'll trade the one that I can get the most for, even if it's the bigger name guy. And, um, you know, of course, you know, maybe you have one quarterback that's clearly better than the other and you got somebody like uh, Matt Stafford on your bench, you know, still, it's nice to have him on your bench, especially during this year of COVID. But if there's a Dak Prescott team in your league who's in real jeopardy because of this loss, I think you go to him and you see what you might be able to get done. Uh, We discussed last week another strategy, another tactic used by winning teams is to create an artificial buy moment in their league Uh, with the struggling teams who roster marquee players that are on buy, that are going into a buy. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's players who aren't necessarily a buy low because maybe they haven't been underperforming. But let's say there's a losing team in your league who's in a must-win situation and 
one or two of his big name guys are on on by this week. Well, he can't really afford to absorb those. Now, he's not going to just be ripped off. He needs you to offer him a deal. He or she needs you to offer him a deal that's going to help them win this week. Um, but look, that's something we should be willing to do if we're going uh, after the big name players. And uh, week six is where we're starting to get pretty heavy bye weeks starting to roll in. We've got the Raiders, the Saints, the Chargers, and the Seahawks all on buys this week. So um, this is going to be a more prevalent issue. There's going to be more opportunity around this on the trade market in our leagues uh, this week than we've seen to date. And I mean, think about it. There's some good players on the Raiders. You got Ruggs, you got Waller, you got Jacobs on the Saints. You know, it's going to be hard to pry Camaro away. Probably his owners are winning at this point because he's been off to such a good start. But who knows? Maybe the Michael Thomas owner isn't in as good of shape. Um, the Chargers, uh, Keenan Allen's back. It doesn't sound too serious. It sounds like it's back spasms. He'll probably be back after the bye, but um, it's exactly that. The Chargers are going into a bye. You know, maybe you can pick somebody off for Keenan Allen uh, in that situation. The Seahawks, I think uh, Tyler Lockett is a prime bye candidate this week heading into the bye if you're a winning team operating from a position of luxury that has the assets, um, that it's no skin off your back to make a deal like that for a player on by. We'll talk more about that at length. Obviously got Chris Carson, uh, DK Metcalf on the Seahawks. So a lot of really big name guys you might be able to go after that are ordinarily would be unavailable, but potentially if it's a struggling team in your league, um, that buy is a real problem for them. And, and, and again, maybe you can create an artificial moment here. Uh, I'll certainly be looking at it in my leagues, and I think that uh, you should too. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into uh, the trade targets for the Week 6 Fantasy Football Trade Market. Again, my name's Byron Lambert right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast. And let's begin with a couple of our – let's begin with our sell-high targets this week. We'll start at the wide receiver position. And I know a lot of you guys have questions about what to make of this Dallas Cowboys situation um, in the post Dak Prescott injury era. I hate to call it an era because we're hoping uh, this is a short-lived injury and, and uh, we can see Dak uh, you know, back next year, hopefully at full strength. But I do think this, you know, it brings up a situation if you're an owner of any of the Cowboys wide receivers, what do you make of these guys the rest of the way with Andy Dalton coming in? You know, what can you, what, what can you expect Moving forward, I think we all expect Zeke to get an increase in touches, an increase in workload uh, because of the Dak Prescott injury. So uh, I don't think we're really too concerned with them. I think with him, I think we're more keyed in on what do we do with the big name wide receivers uh, of the Dallas Cowboys? Can we continue to rely on them? Do we just have to expect it's going to be a decrease in production and live with it? Or maybe is there something more creative we can do? Well, guys, it's going to depend on the circumstances in your league, but we're sure as hell going to try, uh, and we're going to consider selling high on CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper this week. Um, the number 18 and number 19 wide receivers on the season in half-point PPR formats um, to date, <laughs> uh, respectively, and it's actually CeeDee Lamb who's the number 18 receiver on the season and Amari Cooper, the number 19 receiver on the season. Again, that's in half-point PPR format to date. So basically, you got two 
um, you know, middling wide receiver twos there and the Dallas Cowboy wide receivers, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Uh, and that's to date. Uh, Amari Cooper, 11 targets per game so far on the season. Now, CeeDee Lamb, only eight targets per game on the season uh, to date. Neither of them has been touchdown dependent. Um, as a matter of fact, Amari Cooper has almost been touchdown deficient with only one score on the season. And, you know, I'm not sure that's really going to improve with Andy Dalton uh, at the helm now. We have concerns about the offensive line in Dallas. And, of course, there's just a lot of good players on offense there. So I just think it's hard to expect that Andy Dalton is going to be able to pepper each and every one of these guys. It's a little bit of a cannibalistic situation. Um, there could be just too many players for any one of them to uh, have a, you know, to really get a concentrated amount of red zone targets or touchdowns this season. Um, it's Lamb with 10.83 yards per target versus Amari Cooper, only 7.71 yards per target so far on the season. Really, Cooper is one of the um, most inefficient wide receivers in terms of yards per target. Uh, two data on the season, especially of like the high volume guys, uh, 11 targets per game. Amari Cooper, very volume based wide receiver, but he's been a target hog. Uh, he's right at the top of the leagues, whereas CD Lamb at 10.83 yards per target. I mean, organic production too. Neither of them uh, touchdown dependent, but CD Lamb has been one of the most efficient wide receivers in all of fantasy football, at least of all the notable players, of all the you know, uh, players in the top 25 or so, you know, to date. So truthfully, those characteristics of both of their profiles concern me a little bit with Andy Dalton coming in. And, and again, of course, a lot of this is going to have to do with how your league mates view these guys uh, after the Dak Prescott injury. But I just think CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper, uh, these are t- still two quality names that have had really nice fantasy production on the season uh, that I think you can go out and try to pedal this week and uh, maybe bring home a player in a consolidation trade uh, that uh, you think is going to be more reliable uh, you know, on the season and hopefully that you're buying low on. Uh, now, speaking of buying low, uh, he's been a buy low all season. Uh, we've been waiting uh, for the big breakout and uh, it never really, really occurred. But we did get some relief this last week, kind of as we'd predicted. DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers, he got the fantasy points we were all planning on last week in week five at Atlanta. It was 17 and a half. But, folks, he's only averaging five targets per game over the last three weeks, while Robbie Anderson has averaged 12 targets per game over the last two weeks and almost 10 targets per game on the season, nine and a half to be exact. Uh, This just doesn't feel like it's ever going to turn out the way it was supposed to for DJ Moore this season. Um, Barring an unexpected turn of events that I just, you know, I don't think in any any rational uh, way you can really predict at this point or really expect I think DJ Moore looks like the kind of guy that we're going to want to try to sell high on all season whenever we get the opportunity. And coming off those 17 and a half points this last week, I think is a good time to do it before, uh, you know, he comes back down to earth and, you know, you're hoping just he still has a little bit of name value at this point. I'm a DJ Moore owner. I'm going to be out trying to peddle him. 
this week for sure. I think Darius Slayton of the New York Giants was another wide receiver that uh, fits a similar profile at this point to DJ Moore. It's just it's going to be boom bust. He's getting a little bit more volume, um, but I just think that these are guys that they're not must sells. They're okay players, but if they're guys that when you can try to sell them for somebody that's going to be more reliable or somebody with more upside, just somebody you like more the rest of the season, I absolutely think you take the opportunity to attempt to to do that. Devontae Parker of the Miami Dolphins, 6.4 targets per game. He's got a buy in week seven. I think we're officially on two a watch, even though, you know, the Niners got or the 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 Dolphins got the win at the Niners and Fitzpatrick has, you know, been a decent fantasy quarterback. Um you have to know that we're on to a watch at this point. It's it's it, it could be as soon as after the bye in week seven. So um that's clearly, you know, that clearly could affect Devontae Parker's value on the season. You know, we said Justin Herbert, that's a guy that we love seeing his big live arm and it's actually been just fine with Keenan Allen and now apparently Mike Williams. So you have a little bit of hope that Tua can come in and do something a little bit like a Justin Herbert. He's not as big of a body guy, but in some ways a similar game, uh, got the mobility, but not really a scrambler and a big arm looking to throw the ball down the field. You know, if we get lucky, we're going to, you know, Tua will come in and win it whenever he does and may not totally submarine Parker's value, but I don't think we should be depending on luck. We should be depending on on logic and skill and strategy to win our leagues. That's how we're going to optimize and improve our chances to do it. So again, Devontae Parker, not a must sell, but 6.4 targets per game, a buy in week seven. Uh, I think we're going to get the rookie quarterback sooner than later. And really he was saved by disaster guys in week five with the touchdown. So uh, let's not rely on Devontae. Let's not get too, um, too reliant on Devontae Parker. Let's try to shop him and see if we can get somebody better in return this week. Uh, Chase Claypool. Guys, y'all saw the big breakout. Uh, It was a four-touchdown monster this week, a player that we've seen at the Senior Bowl, Um, a player that improved every single day at the Senior Bowl. He didn't blow anybody away, but I will say we've seen a long history of the guys that, that get that show a good progression throughout that week, oftentimes come into the league and do pretty well. Um, it's very clear that the Steelers could use a guy like this, a bigger body guy like this. I think we've seen it in the past with Martavis Bryant. Um, but look, season to date, it's five targets per game for Chase Claypool, 52% touchdown dependent. His 2.88 points per target on the season is an astronomical outlier at this point that is impossible to sustain for any player in the league. And I just think anytime you can capitalize on a monster four four touchdown performance by a rookie wide receiver, who's ultimately and, you know, basically a wide receiver by committee um, and a player that was on most waiver wires just last week. um, I think we should try to sell high on that guy. It's prudent. It's shrewd. More times than not, this is going to work to advantage. I do think that Chase Claypool is real in the NFL. I love him in Dynasty at this point. But at the end of the day, four touchdown, 40-point monster for the rookie is the definition of a sell-high event. 
it does sound like Deontay Johnson and Juju were DNPs at practice today. We'll talk about them a little bit later. So if they don't play or if even one of them is out this week, then Claypool continues to be, I believe, a pretty strong play. But it doesn't sound like Johnson or Juju will be out for long. It sounds like both of them you know, escaped without any kind of major injury. I think that today might have actually been maintenance. So I just wonder myself, when you get Deontay, when you get Juju back, what exactly is Chase Claypool's role going to be? Do we know, are we confident right now that he's a starter with a big snap count moving forward? I'm just not sure that we can say that. We got a pretty good glimpse prior to last week of what the team would like to do. And I don't think we're ready to just throw all that out the window, uh, you know, quite yet. So Chase Claypool, what a great waiver wire pickup. You feel like an absolute king if you you own him at this point. But I just think smart players are packaging him up with his value at a season high at this point, an all-time high for the rookie. And you see if maybe he's the type of player you could throw into a deal that'll put you over the top. you know, for a player, for one single player that you like better in return. Brandon Cooks of the Houston Texans. He's probably a keep for most people. Got the 12 targets, the 161 yards and a touchdown last week. I mean, we kind of knew that something like this was going to happen. I've been watching him pretty closely. He's had a good snap count all year. He's gotten the targets. He's looked pretty good. It just, I don't think there was any chemistry with Deshaun Watson yet. So this could potentially be the kind of game that builds a significant amount of trust for Watson uh, that will make Cooks relevant, you know, the rest of the year. And look, minus the week eight bye, Brandon Cooks has an awesome schedule until week 13. So for most people, I think he's probably a keep, but we're talking about these guys who busted out of nowhere with the big games this last week in week five. Brandon Cooks is one of them. And he's, he's certainly not a, a must-keep guy. Like, I think there's some things to like here about where we're headed with Cooks. But if I can use him uh, with a maybe, um, you know, since he's had a little bit of polish on his reputation this last week, if I can use him to trade up for somebody I like better in return, uh, I'm not married to him. Uh, Mike Williams, Los Angeles Chargers. Of course, he's got the bye heading into week six. Mentioned that at the outset. Uh And again, it sounds like we're going to get word that Keenan Allen should be fine returning from back spasms. But Mike Willen, we're talking about Brandon Cooks. We're talking about Chase Claypool, all these guys who popped off big out of nowhere in week five. Mike Williams was definitely one of them. We love Justin Herbert. uh, But we've also seen that Mike Williams over the years has been kind of this very much a boom bust player that's somewhat unreliable week to week. And you know, when Keenan Allen comes back in, he's just not going to get that kind of target share, even though he might still turn into a nice wide receiver three. I'm just not sure what you can get with him heading into his bye, but again, not a player I'm married to, uh, a player whose you know value has been enhanced in recent days coming off the big game. I think people are excited about Justin Herbert. Um, Mike Williams, not an untouchable, a fine keep if you want to stash him and um, you know use him as a flex or possibly a wide receiver three moving forward after his bye this week. But again, Mike Williams, a guy that, you know, we're always willing to part like a player with a player like that. If it will enable us uh, to come home with a premium player in return. Uh, And T.Y. Hilton, maybe the last guy that I'll mention of this 
sell high wide receiver category. I'm not sure how high you could sell T.Y. Hilton. His value was basically in the toilet. It'd become an afterthought. Still think maybe there's an off chance in, in, you know, in leagues where maybe you're not playing with, uh, you know, experts that pay attention to this every single day. A guy like T.Y. Hilton might still have some name recognition. Uh, he was still drafted, you know, in the, you know, what, fifth, sixth round of a lot of drafts. He may hold a little bit of esteem there uh, to some players. And he, look, he got 10 targets in week five. So he put up a decent fantasy game. And I guess what I'm saying is if T.Y. Hilton has rekindled even a hint of fantasy value in your league based on this 10 target performance in week five, then get rid of him. Throw him into a deal that'll put you over the top on a guy that you really want in return and get him off your team. All right, guys, let's turn to some potential sell high running backs for the week six fantasy football trade market right here on the week six uh, rosterwatch.com tradecast. Uh, go to one of my guys here from the preseason from my training camp to a Ronald Jones, a guy I also saw at USC Pro Day a few years back when he was coming out with Sam Darnold. So I've actually scouted Ronald Jones quite a bit, seen him at uh, training camp the last two years, saw him at his USC Pro Day, saw him at the NFL Combine a few years ago. And um, so I feel like I have an interesting perspective on Ronald Jones. 18 touches per game, literally exactly what I predicted from training camp pre-Leonard Fournette signing this summer. Uh, so 18 touches per game on the season for Ronald Jones so far. He's top five in the league in yards after contact on the season. I know it's hard to believe because he just doesn't have a beautiful style. For whatever reason, his style was a lot prettier coming out of USC, but it hasn't translated to a beautiful style in the NFL. He's, you know, he's, uh, he's definitely gotten, he's gotten, he's filled out. He's gotten bigger. It's just, it's not a real smooth, not a real pretty style out there, but man, he's, he's getting it done. He's tough between the tackles, 4.9 yards per carry on the season for Ronald Jones. The only notable running backs averaging more than that this season are Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, Kareem Hunt, Miles Sanders, and Nick Chubb, and again, it's hard to believe because it, it's your it, it's your eyes almost don't even uh, you know you, you don't believe that if you if you trust what you've kind of been seeing out there from Ronald Jones over the years. But that's an impressive number, four point nine yards per carry up there with the best in the league for Jones. This is what Arians, this is what the internal scouts in Tampa, I think, have been seeing in practice the two last two years that gave them the confidence to. Uh, push Ronald Jones to the top of the depth chart this offseason. Also, 4.6 targets per game, about the same as Chris Carson, David Montgomery, and Joe Mixon on the season. Now, granted, Joe Mixon is trending upward significantly the last few weeks in terms of targets, but I think it's noteworthy to say that Ronald Jones, yeah, he, he has the drops. He's not a good pass catcher, um, but he's getting the targets, and he's doing some damage with some of them at least. It helps us in our fantasy league. 4.6 targets per game, nothing to sneeze out. Um, again, that's right up there with Carson, Montgomery, Mixon, all respectable, uh, you know, talents from a uh, from a fantasy perspective uh, that do some of their damage in the passing game. A pretty good schedule the rest of the way for Ronald Jones. He has no bye until week 13. 
I mean, he's definitely been a, an RB2 lately. The last two weeks, Ronald Jones has been a pretty decent RB2. Um, but with only one touchdown on the season, you know, if you look at a big picture, Ronald Jones has really been more of a... Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Good RB3. And I think when you consider that, you realize, well, he's not a must-sell, but at only 0.56 points per touch in standard leagues, He's been pretty inefficient, um, and it's been this has been a volume based you know play. It's been a volume based play. He's been inefficient because he's not getting the tar- he's not really making that much hay in the passing game, and because he's not scoring touchdowns. Yes, he's been efficient in the four point nine yards per carry, but again, that eighteen touches per game has been the preeminent metric when it comes to Ronald Jones on the season. I think if his volume erodes. Uh, we can be in pretty good ch- in some trouble there, and I think there's a pretty good chance that's definitely going to happen with Leonard Fournette back. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how Ronald Jones is viewed in your league, uh, but I think if you can find a losing team in a must-win situation and must-win mode, win-now mode in your league, I actually think Ronald Jones is a pretty good high to try to sell, pretty good guy to try to sell high on in a consolidation deal right now in an effort to pry one of uh, the other team's best players away. And so I guess. I want to go back to training camp and, and, and everything that was going on there this summer. Um, so I got to go to Bucks training camp for two practices pretty late in training camp season, uh, one week apart from each other. I think the last practice I attended was right before they traded Fournette. I mean, I think we were up about two weeks from kickoff of the season. And, you know, what I told you guys is Ronald Jones – to some extent by default, because it was a pitiful depth chart behind him, was the clear lead back for the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers and what was going to be a pretty good offense this year, you know, when healthy and, you know, once they kind of built their their chemistry, is he was getting 90% of the first team snaps, you know, while I was there. And basically what we predicted was that begrudgingly based on that type of volume you would be able to utilize Ronald Jones as an RB2 at the outset of the season but that ultimately this was a player who would devolve to a flex uh, over the course of the season at that time we thought it would probably be Keyshawn Vaughn that might be able to begin you know getting a little bit more involved and you know the other thing we told you was that we would need to watch out for the Bucks going after somebody like Devontae Freeman because it just didn't make sense that they would go into the season with so many hopes riding on Tom Brady and have no depth behind Ronald Jones, even if they were, you know, planning on giving him, you know, the lead in, in the committee or in the, in the backfield. And, you know, that was another reason that we were kind of hesitant to crown Ronald Jones as – as a good RB2 on the season. We kind of always said, look, this thing over time, he might be useful at the beginning of the year, which is going to be just fine, but you need to plan on this thing, uh, you know, devolving. And of course, 
I was at Jaguars camp for two days right during that same time period. And I basically broke the story that there was something up with Leonard Fournette at training camp. I'd been to four years worth of Jaguars training camp practices. Um, and I'd seen Leonard Fournette every year and I knew exactly what a Leonard Fournette practice looked like. And I knew something looked really, really fishy while I was there. He wasn't getting the same usage. Uh, clearly they had a committee in mind there in Jacksonville. And so we kind of sounded the alarm on that, but boy, I mean, it was a one outer. There was no way anybody could have known. It was a total one outer, a complete suck out on Ronald Jones. Uh, nine days before the season, Leonard Fournette gets cut and you know picked up by the Buccaneers. There was no way, no way to know that. Um, but fortunately for Jones owners, they've gotten almost what they thought they were going to get when they drafted him at the beginning of the season. Because Fournette has, you know, he's been hurt for a couple of weeks now, and you know, in the first week of the season, he was brand new to the team and you know was being slowly integrated. So. In essence, he basically hasn't been available and we've gotten lucky as a Ronald Jones owner to still get, you know, at least low-end RB2 production to this point. Uh, There's, in my opinion, no way that we can really plan on that. I'm a Ronald Jones owner myself, and you just have to ask yourself, like, how comfortable do you feel relying on this guy rest of the season? I do think there's a chance that Arians lets him keep going here and lets him keep the lead. I just... It's going to be difficult for him to keep the 18 touches. And again, as his volume erodes, his production is going to erode significantly, especially doesn't look like the red zone guy. And then we've also got to bake in the idea that Leonard Fournette over time, I believe, still could take this job. It's far from guaranteed, as others have tried to tell you would happen immediately this season. I always knew that that was folly, having become pretty intimate with actually both those players' situations. But we are at the point of the season now where I do believe you can start becoming more concerned about Leonard Fournette possibly taking this job over the long term. So when you bake all that in, when you bake in the 200-yard games the last few weeks for Ronald Jones, I think this is a good opportunity to examine you know, selling him high in your league and see if you can bring back a bigger fish that you feel is more reliable, maybe a guy that you feel has more upside that you're buying low on this week. I think it would be a good idea. A few more running backs that fit this mold of potential players that we could consider selling high on in an effort to bring home a more premium, a more elite fantasy football player this week. Daryl Henderson, the running back of the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, statistically, he's been a touchdown dependent RB2 on the season to date. Way, way better than you ever planned. Uh, the production you've gotten, uh, basically he had fallen by the wayside pre-draft. Uh, but because he's gotten in the end zone on this team, he somehow managed to produce as an RB2 at only 13 touches a game through the first five weeks of the season. Surprisingly for Henderson, who was a good pass catcher coming out of Memphis, uh, that I expected to be utilized more in the passing game with the Rams, the targets really haven't been there for him either. So when you begin to consider that Daryl Henderson is a low target volume, 13 touch per game, touchdown dependent running back that's clearly in a committee, a three-headed committee 
uh, with Akers, Cam Akers, the other, the rookie back in the fold who they really like and actually looked pretty good uh, in his first week back in week five. Just think you have to be honest with yourself and recognize that Henderson is probably nothing more than a flex, big picture, rest of season. And it's going to be painful to own him because it will be difficult to pinpoint, you know, aside from him just running away with this job, which could happen but looks unlikely based on everything we're talking about right here. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult to pinpoint when Daryl Henderson's going to have the big games. And it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster. It's an RBC, RBBC. It's a running back by committee. It's a three-headed monster. It's going to be painful, guys, owning Daryl Henderson this year. Why do it to yourself? Throw him into a consolidation trade to improve your team with a better, more reliable player that you can sleep easier at night owning, that you can just... You know, somebody that becomes maybe more of a must start for you. Uh, Those are the players that we want to start to try to bring home in these consolidation trades. And Daryl Henderson is a good trade piece to pursue something like that with um, at this moment. He gets San Francisco on the road this week in week six, back at home versus Chicago the next uh, week in week seven. And then it's Miami on the road in week eight for Daryl Henderson before a bye in week nine. Guys, I would strongly consider seeing what I could do to take Daryl Henderson, another good player in my league, consolidate them, and level up for the better player in return. Miles Gaskin, running back, Miami Dolphins, a pretty decent RB3 at the moment, five targets per game, nothing to sneeze at, very respectable. He's only scored once on the season. He's a 13.7% touchdown dependency rate in standard formats on the season. You worry that he's the kind of guy that just might not score much. You know, on one hand, you could argue he has some upside. On the other hand, I think you could argue he's a little bit of a smallish running back on a bad team who's just not going to score much this year. I think that's the conservative, shrewd way to look at this thing. So not a must-sell for Miles Gaskin. He was a waiver-wire pickup for most of you guys. He's getting the volume. He's a flex. Like, you're pretty happy with him at this point. Um... But I think he's replaceable. I think he's replaceable uh, as we continue to work the waiver wire, and we're going to need we're going to need to liberate the the roster spots in order to do that. And the way we're going to need to do that is by taking Miles Gaskin, package him up with another sell high player on your team, and see if you can bring home somebody better in return. Uh, a couple of more running backs here I might consider selling high on Devonte Freeman. It's a fairly difficult schedule the rest of the season. The Giants are a dumpster fire. You got the 15.7 fantasy points in half-point PPR in week five out of Freeman. It was on 17 touches, um, which is the most volume he's had on the season. His week five was his best performance of the season. Like Everything here is tracking perfectly production-wise with Devontae Freeman from afar. Um, like You would look at this and say, okay, like, They're bringing him in and using him exactly the way that we expected. Everything's trending in the right direction. I think people maybe can start to begin to feel good about uh, Devontae Freeman. But, guys, I think that's a ruse. Uh, While Freeman has some marketability, we want to get out of crappy situations like this. Um, Let's try hard to sell Devontae Freeman while we can this week. Uh, Package him up with the Miles Gaskins, the Daryl Hendersons, the Ronald Jones, the Brandon Cooks, the Chase Claypools, uh, the Devontae Parkers, the DJ Moores of the world, the CeeDee Lambs. 
you know, see what you can get done. I think there's something to be had there if you approach a struggling, losing team in your league who absolutely has to must win now and needs multiple players in return to fill out a more competitive lineup this week in order to put them in position uh, to try to get on uh, the right side of the win column. Uh, Last but not least, Jonathan Taylor. It's a pretty good schedule the rest of the way for the Colts rookie running back. He's got a bye in week seven. It's 18 touches per game on the season for Taylor, four yards per carry. Uh, He's had double-digit fantasy points and half-point PPR formats in four out of his five games so far on the season. So, I mean, in the end, statistically, Jonathan Taylor looks like a solid RB2. Still, something just doesn't look quite right to me when I watch him, when I evaluate that situation. It's still a bit of a committee. I don't know if it's his his short area burst. I don't know if it's his lateral agility. I don't know if it's his vision. I don't know if it's his footwork. I'm just not blown away with Jonathan Taylor at the moment. You know, that said, I think he's a good hold. He's a fine hold. He's the future of the team. He's getting the volume. They got a great offensive line. But again, if you could use Jonathan Taylor uh, as a as a tool to level up for a super or premier talent in fantasy football in return, I would absolutely consider it. All right, now this is the exciting part of the program. All of you guys have uh, heard, you know, kind of the list of guys that we want to look, the group of guys that we want to look to sell high on, that we want to look to parlay into uh, better players in return this week. And optimally, strategically, uh, the way we're going to get the most value in return is if we go in and we buy low on other players that we like better, uh, because not only are we getting the better players in return, we feel like we are getting them at a discount under those circumstances. Uh, We'll begin with the wide receivers uh, for this week, the buy low wide receivers for this week. And we'll start with a nuclear option, Julio Jones. These are the guys that we want to pursue in our leagues. These are the guys that if we have winning records, if we have stacked benches, uh, these are the guys that uh, we want to pick off from the losing teams. Uh, It's a a DNP at practice today for Julio Jones. His status for this week is unclear. It's been a rough ride for his owners. He does have a pretty good schedule the next month. Um, So if you're a winning team that's stacked with assets that can afford to potentially absorb another missed week here, uh, I absolutely think you try to do it. Um, There's enough uncertainty at this point that uh, I think his owners would would have to look at it, especially if they're a losing team who maybe needs a couple of good players in return to help them this week. Maybe they can't wait to get the final word on Jones this week. Maybe they're nervous that he's not going to play. All of that uh, works to your favor. Chris Godwin, we spoke about him last week. This is one of my favorite trade targets in all of fantasy right now. Um, His status for week six is still unclear against Green Bay. He's been stretching and practice on the sidelines the last two days, but he hasn't been participating. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. I think it's like 50-50 at best probably for Godwin this week. But he didn't have a buy until week 13, and I love him when he gets back. If you see his limited production while he was in this year, it was very, very good. Uh, Chris Godwin, again, a player I've scouted live the last two years. He's a player I want to add to my team for sure if I can get it for cheap. And, And look, I'm a Chris Godwin owner right now. And I know it's been a really unpleasant experience. Uh, I think if the news comes out that he 
Uh, it's unclear whether he's going to play this week or he's not going to play this week. There's got to be a lot of frustrated owners that if you're a winning team, what an absolute robbery that would be to go in there, take Chris Godwin off somebody's hands, make him your flex or your wide receiver three moving forward the rest of the season. I promise you guys will be thanking me over at rosterwatch.com uh, when you're in your fantasy playoffs just uh, a couple short months from now. Uh, Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. We opened the show saying that uh, the bye weeks are becoming more prevalent at this juncture of the season. And sometimes uh, a bye week represents an artificial opportunity to buy in on a player that otherwise would not be available. Uh, I think Tyler Lockett fits that profile to a T right now. He's had two down weeks in fantasy the last few weeks. He's on a bye this week. So kind of similar to Godwin, like if his owner's struggling and can't afford to have that dude on a bye this week, or maybe is just frustrated with him after seeing like all the hype with DK Metcalf and a couple of bad games and now a bye. Dude, if I'm a winning team with the assets to do it, I absolutely want to add Tyler Lockett to my bench or to my flex or to my wide receiver three. That is a winning move for sure, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, there's Terry McLaurin over there with the Washington football team. He had the worst performance of the season in week five. The quarterback situation looks bad in Washington. Fortunately, we're hearing it's going to be Kyle Allen moving forward, at least for the foreseeable future. Personally, I'm not totally scared off by Kyle Allen. Just based on what he was able to do with DJ Moore last year in Carolina and um, and before he got injured in the game, I didn't think it was just a total abomination. It went really far south when Alex Smith came in and really couldn't do anything on offense this this last week. Only one touchdown so far in the season for Terry McLaurin. Uh, he has a pretty good schedule the rest of the way, including two really juicy matchups in the in the division against New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys in week six and seven this week and next week before his week eight bye. I absolutely think Terry McLaurin, if his value is significantly depressed in your league, would be the kind of wide receiver you'd love to get in return on the on the buy low. A um, few more wide receivers here that I'm not really that interested in actively pursuing at the moment, but I do think they are buy lows. And I potentially think they're the kind of guys that are becoming maybe just like throw-ins in a trade deal. Like somebody just wants to throw them into you to put a deal over the top. And oftentimes if we're liquidating, you know, we're going to be the one receiving these throw-ins that put deals over the top. Because people are going to have to quote-unquote overpay us to get the premium player off our hands that the other party is looking for. And You know, while I'm not thrilled about Juju Smith-Schuster or Deontay Johnson for that matter in Pittsburgh, it sounds like even though both of them were DNPs in practice today, neither of them have a major injury. I think we've got the Chase Claypool hype that's also probably going to put downward pressure on their value right now. And, you know, both of those guys, I'm not going out of my way to trade for them, but if I can can get them as basically throw-ins or like the last little piece of a trade – and I'm looking for more dudes to add to my roster uh, to help fill that starting lineup out. Like if I could get Juju or Deontay Johnson as a flex or a wide receiver three, 
I think that helps me. I think that helps me. And I would definitely, you know, take a look at it if I was in that situation, uh, looking to bring multiple guys back that could help me make, make me more competitive. Uh, DJ Chark with the Jacksonville Jaguars got nicked up this last week. He's a DNP at practice today. Again, I think if, you know, if he's lost a lot of value to his owner because it's been a tough go with him, like, I'll take DJ Chark as a throw in uh, in return if I'm doing a deal. I don't mind putting him on my bench. I don't mind having that guy as a flex or a wide receiver three. And then uh, last but not least on that front, John Smokey Brown of the Buffalo Bills, another guy that uh, he, didn't, he hasn't played for a couple weeks now. He's got a calf injury. It's a little bit unclear. What we saw to begin this season was that Josh Allen likes him and he was going to be a very serviceable fantasy player, a nice wide receiver three. Uh, you know, they've started to develop some of the other younger options in his absence. But I believe that when John Brown returns, he'll resume basically the role that we saw at the beginning of the season, or at least something they're close to. So he's not a worthless player in our leagues. And if the owners, if his owner in your league is beginning to view him that way, then we'll certainly take John Brown in return uh, in a deal that we do and be you know, quite happy about it. Okay, let's move along here to some buy low running backs. We talked about him last week. I know people have to be getting very, very nervous about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a player that got pushed up, hell, into the top five or six of some fantasy drafts. And, you know, the bottom line is at 11.5 points per game in standard leagues, owners just aren't getting what they expected out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They have to be frustrated I think they might even fear a little bit at the moment that Le'Veon Bell could be brought in now that he's been cut by the Jets. Only 13 touches in week five loss to the Raiders for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. It was his worst fantasy game of the year. Three of his last four performances have been below projection or suboptimal. Um, 4.2 yards per carry, 5.4 targets per game. He did get eight targets last week in the losing effort. I think that's maybe a, an important metric that got lost. 19.6 touches per game, but only one touchdown on the season uh, for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You do worry that he has the profile of a guy who might not score a whole lot of touchdowns just based on his physical stature. But again, I think anytime you're connected to this Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kansas City Chiefs offense, uh, and you're a good player, and you're their RB1, I'm willing to take my chances. Antonio Gibson, the rookie for the Washington football team. He took a step back in week five, as the entire team did, with the quarterback situation up in flux. And, um, you know, and just what's kind of a, a little bit of a cannibalistic situation uh, when these game scripts uh, get out of whack seems to be J.D. McKissick who's getting more of the targets. And um, ultimately, we're just not going to get what we hope for out of Gibson unless he starts to bite into that target share. And I think he's, to some extent, just going to go as this quarterback situation goes. At the moment, we should probably recognize Antonio Gibson as a good running back three, still with quite a bit of upside on the season. Uh, if they continue to integrate him more, which I believe they will. He's their future. And you would think the quarterback situation will stabilize a little bit at some point. Uh, it's just, you know, it's total and total upheaval at the moment. Pretty good schedule the rest of the way for Antonio Gibson. 
I'll take my chances with him rest of the season if I can get him at the right price. I think he'd be a good guy to get in return in a liquidation deal. You know, we just talked about DJ Chark or Juju or John Brown, getting those guys back in a liquidation deal. Hell, maybe even Terry McLaurin. Like, uh, you know, if you can get – these are the kind of players that you want to look at. If you're going to – if you're struggling and you need to fill a couple of holes in your starting lineup with good players with good matchups on the horizon – yeah, these are these are these are solid candidates to do it if you're thinking about giving up one of your marquee players uh, in a deal to get multiple guys in return. We talked about Ronald Jones. Let's talk about Leonard Fournette. If I can get him in a, as a throw-in, I'm interested. I think he's a good stash with a lot of upside at this point. I say there's a good possibility that Leonard Fournette even potentially has flex value in the short term as soon as this week. Will it ever develop? Will Leonard Fournette ever be a thing this season? Will he ever be reliable? Difficult to say. Difficult to say. He may not get the opportunity, uh, but there's, there is a chance that he at some point will get that opportunity. And once he does, there's a pretty good chance he could seize it. And I think you can also subscribe to the idea that Leonard Fournette's probably going to be pretty involved around the goal line, around the red zone, for a Tom Brady team that I think we're going to see increasingly score more points as they be, continue to gel as Chris Godwin reintegrates. So Leonard Fournette, far from a guarantee on the season, far from um, a guy that you think you can rely on at this point, but the exact type of high upside stash that if we can get for peanuts in return, uh, we're happy to put at the bottom of our bench uh, again, another another player that would be a solid candidate to get back as a throw-in uh, on a deal. Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb. Guys, I think we need to wait another week on those two players, but we need to keep them in mind. Uh, we just, it, it could be the case that their injuries aren't quite as serious as previously thought. Uh I think week eight is the earliest return for them, so that's really not too not not too far out. Even though it's not clear that they will return in week eight, uh, I just I wanted to bring them up today just to keep them keep them in the back of our mind. Let's not forget about those guys. Maybe next week we'll begin to put a little more focus on zeroing in on uh, on on picking them up if we're a winning team that has the assets to do it. These are the kind of moves that we'll want to make to be opportunistic. Uh, to create the most formidable roster we can to not only fade the attrition of the season, but to have the assets we're going to want to assemble the best playoff roster possible as the season progresses. Last but not least, at tight end, we talked about him last week. We're going to give him one more chance here, guys. Zach Ertz, Philadelphia Eagles, it looks bad. It's not been good. It's not an easy schedule ahead. His value is the lowest it's been in years. Um, But I think I'm willing to take one more stab this week and let the chips just fall where they may because managing a streaming tight end situation all season long is a complete headache, to be truthful. Okay, folks, uh, every week we finish the podcast. We finish the rosterwatch.com tradecast with some examples of some mock trade deals Uh, give you guys an idea of what you can go into your own leagues and try to construct uh, to get something done on the fantasy football trade market this week. Uh, We mentioned at the outset of the show, 
Look and see what's going on with the Dak Prescott owner, the Dak Prescott team in your league. If you see it's a ripe situation, approach that team. Maybe you have Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers. You know, let's say you have two quarterbacks. Trade one of those guys and get a solid running back or a solid wide receiver in return. You know, like I said, if you view, if at this point you think Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers are fairly similar fantasy plays rest of the season, sell the guy you can get more for, which I would think would be Lamar Jackson. I have no problem doing that. Um, if, if, if your backup is clearly worse than your starter, but still a guy that the DAC owner could use, then I, I think it makes sense to just to focus on trading that guy and seeing what you can get in return. But uh, you should focus on getting a good skill player in return. Or I think you could take one of those guys, package them with another sell-high skill player, and go after the Dak Prescott teams. You know, go after one of their best players. Take Aaron Rodgers. You know, take a sell-high guy. Maybe you've got, um, you know, maybe you've got a C.D. Lamb. Maybe you got a D.J. Moore, a Devontae Parker. You got a Ronald Jones, a Daryl Henderson, a Miles Gaskin. Some of these dudes we talk about earlier in the show. Package them up with your backup quarterback. Um, Send him over to the Dak Prescott owner and try to bring a really nice player back in return, hopefully one that you're buying low on in order to uh, maximize the benefit. Um, We talk so much about the consolidation trades here because that really is the primary mandate of of the trade market of this show. Um, and I don't want to distract from that, but, but it is, I think it is you know, on occasion, we need to talk about these liquidation trades to help these teams that are struggling, that are trying to get on the right side of the win column and need to do something to improve their chances to win this week. They just need more good players. They need more horses in their starting lineup. So, you know, uh, you know, the question is, can you take one of your better players that's maybe in your view overperforming maybe it's one of the guys we discussed earlier and can you get Terry McLaurin or Chris Godwin plus a Clyde Edwards Alaire or an Antonio Gibson in return you know think like that can you get two of these good skill players in return uh, for one of your you know one of your your top players and, and that's okay to do if you're getting these guys back and you can start all of them, and they're going to make your starting lineup more competitive. And most importantly, if you're buying low on them and they have good matchups, uh, you can feel good. You can feel okay about giving up one of your better players if you need to do that to be competitive and to win now. Uh, a couple of consolidation examples here. Uh, let's say we want to consolidate for a big-time wide receiver. Can you take DJ Moore and Daryl Henderson or C.D. Lamb? And can you ship them off to a suffering Julio Jones owner who needs two guys this week? Uh, or maybe can you take Brandon Cooks and Miles Gaskin and ship them off for Chris Godwin? Guys, I think you can. And I think that you should. Remember, though, be careful trading for injured players. Uh, you have to have the depth, the luxury of assets, and the winning record to comfortably pull those off. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, I thank you on behalf of everybody at rosterwatch.com for all of your loyal support over the years. We ask you to please subscribe. Please, please follow us on YouTube, the Rosterwatch channel on YouTube, at, on Twitter at Rosterwatch, or over at the website rosterwatch.com. And until next time, Rosterwatch Nation, my name's Byron Lambert. Happy trading and so long.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.